relief when I look up there and it's, the, it's actually what I studied. I'm like, all right, good. Um, I don't know, sometimes I get anxious about weird things, I guess. Um, so yeah, we're going to talk about trusting God's power today. And uh, I couldn't think, I was thinking of like what power is essentially when I'm talking about trusting God's power. You've, you've heard the quote, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. And I, I'm here to tell you that that quote has bugged me since I heard it. Because I, I don't think it's right. It's completely, it's, it's close. There's, there's, there's a kernel of truth in that. And, and what that is, is that um, the, the, the problem that I have with that statement is that it's saying that power is the source of the corruption. And I know from my own experience that the source of the corruption is already here. And power is an expression of that corruption. So uh, power is not what corrupts, but power allows the expression of your character. And so when we talk about somebody gaining power and, then, and they're corrupt, you know, all, all the politicians are corrupt or something, well, you know, in the same position, there's corruption here. And so when I talk about trusting God's power, I'm talking about trusting God's character. And so uh, if you, I, I was thinking of this and uh, my boys are here, but the, I, this truth became real to me when I, when I had kids, as soon as I had a little bit of power, like in, in, in such a complete um, way. Right, so like you, uh, if you're working through corp the corporate culture or things like that, you, know, you, you gain power, you become a manager, you become, but there's always you know, this, this hierarchy that you're in. But once alone, once with my kids, it was like, oh, I've got complete power in this situation. And uh, let me tell you that I, I completely failed. And, and so uh, I remember very specifically that I was hanging out with, uh, Malachi, my oldest, we were driving, and uh, I just, I had reached the limit of my patience with him, and, uh, and so I was just, I remember, I don't even remember what it was, but, you know, uh, I just remember ex the, that I, I snapped, and I just, just yelled at my son completely, and I'm not even sure if he remembers it, but, like, he just, I'd never seen him like I, I like I broke his heart at that moment sorry just thinking about it again just brings it back but um, I saw that and I thought wow I've got so much power in this situation and he trusts me so much I'll catch up hold on Yeah, and I totally blew it. And, and I realized at that point I was never going to do that again. Now, if I take that and I can see that corruption there, I know that that's how power is an expression of character. And when I talk about God, I talk about an amazing character, and we're going to get into it today. And when I talk about trusting God's power, I know that he doesn't reach that limit, that snapping point, that breaking point with me. His character it just doesn't do it. So, we're going we're gonna to be in Genesis 17. 
And we're, we're going to look at God's character poured out into the life of Abraham. So if you can uh, turn, to me, turn with me to Genesis 17. Um, we're going to be in verse 15. It says, And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover, I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of peoples shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? Shall Sarah, who is 90, year, 90 years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father 12 princes and I will make him a great nation, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Okay, let's pray. Dear Lord, we want to come before you. Lord, we just we want to learn more about you and learn more about your character and learn how we can uh, uh, just go victoriously in this, into this Christian life as we were talking about, Lord. We just want to, we want to see your power fulfilled, Lord. And we, are, we want to learn how to trust and lean into you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. So to kind of set the scene a little bit more, um, Abraham has been, uh, this is 25 years in on a promise that God gave Abraham. Uh, in fact, uh, not just 25 years in, this is after 13 years of silence. So Abraham um, has known about this promise for a long time. And that's where we begin when we talk about trusting God in his promises. We have to know what his promises are. We have, to, we have to know what his character was, as I was saying, because that character is that expression. His power expresses his character. So when we, as we go through this, the, the sections that, we were, that were interesting, we can see that God uh, uses his power to bless us. We can see that um, God's power is greater than our mistakes and our, un under, our own understanding. And we can see that it outlasts, um, it outlasts our patience in, in, in our situations. Um, can you imagine waiting 25 years for something and then th thinking that you had kind of accomplished it and then 13 years of silence? So this is the situation that um, Abraham is in. So beginning with God using his power to bless us, we see that God is talking about Sarah. He, you know, he, he says, I'm gonna, I want you to call Sarai Sarah now. Now, I, I've... If you, I love uh, looking into like the meanings of biblical names, but they become actually important if the Bible calls it out. But if if it doesn't call it out, it's it's really less important. In fact, even even when when it's called out, a name is always associated with a situation 
or a, um, uh, a, an action, right? There are so many names in the Bible for God, you know, El Shaddai, El Elyon, Elohim, all these things, and they all mean like the God who provides, the God who loves, the God who protects. Um, and um, so when uh, God is saying, I'm going to call Sarai, I want you to call Sarai Sarah, the name means the same thing. They both mean princess. Um, what's interesting here is the event, right? God is saying to, well, to Sarah, but also to Abraham, that Sarai's parents named her princess. She was their princess. I want to call her Sarah. She's my princess, and I'm going to bless her. And that's what God is saying here. He's going to use his power to, to bring, not just bless Abraham, as he's been saying for 25 years, but it's going to be, he's going to add more specificity into this, and he's going to bless Sarah. And when God uses his power and uses us, we are blessed through it. So from then on, from this point on, every time that Abraham was going to talk to his wife, hey, Sarah, he's got to remember that that's, that's God's princess. That's Sarah. That's the one who God has blessed. So when we look at uh, the rest of that verse, it talks about I'm going to bless Sarah. With, then there's going to be nations and kings coming with, with her. So dialing it back, rewinding it a little bit, in, um, like I said, there were 13 years of silence and what kicked off that 13 years of silence was, the, was Abraham trying to fulfill God's promise without God. 13 years ago, uh, from this point, Ishmael is born. So Abraham, like I said, knew the promise from, from 25 years. 13 years before this, Sarah and Abraham make a scheme. At that time, Abram and Sarai. But they, make a, they make a scheme, a plan, take Hagar, my maidservant, and that's how we'll fulfill God's promise. So, God is saying that I'm not just going to give you, through Sarah specifically, a nation, or these stars, we're going to give you nations and kings, rulers of nations. This is going to be a mighty thing that God is going to do, more than just what you can imagine. In fact, this plan that God is laying out is the full plan of our redemption. It goes back to Adam through to Jesus. And Abraham's a step in the way, right? Abraham, God is saying, I'm going to fulfill the plan, the promise that I made in the Garden of Eden. And you're going to be a part of it. And this is how you're going to be a part of it. And Sarah's going to be a part of it. And your son Isaac is going to be a part of it. And this is how I'm going to work, I'm going to work this out. If you look at the Garden of Eden, for example, we had Adam and, and Eve, they were, God, was, God had given them dominion over the earth. And that's kind of one of the surprising things about how God uses power, which is totally counterintuitive to how we would think about power. God shares it. God says, I'm going to place you humans on this earth and I'm going to give you dominion over it. 
So um, God's plan is to return us to that state, but in a new city. So instead of a garden, we're going to get a new city that we're going to be a part of. And this is how God is laying out that plan. He wants to bless us and put us there and do that. So Abraham, being the, who he was, reacts to God's promise by falling on his face and interrupting this, this divine speech that God is laying out. God is saying, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to do these things. And his reaction is, whoa. And then the first thing he does is he starts talking to himself. I don't know if you guys have ever done that, but like I, I, I find like I will be so surprised by something, I'll be like, oh my gosh, did that really happen? And Abraham is in that place. And he falls down on his face. He laughs at the absurdity of the situation. And then he talks to himself. God's power is surprising, so it blesses us, but it also is beyond what we can expect. It surprises us. He's not laughing for joy. He's laughing in, in, in confusion. And, in fact, um, what he says here, again, in uh, 17, uh, he says, Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? The, I, I found this interesting. The commentaries I was reading said that, you know, we try to smooth this over, but the, 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 the language is confused at this point. The actual language, he's like, can a man give birth? Like, that's the question. And um, he's, he's, it's, it's great. It's great to see uh, Abraham totally confused by this. And he, you know, then he says, can Sarah, so 100 years and 99 years old. The... The thing that, that gets me a lot is if you can get past the first four words of the Bible, I don't know why we have, I know why, but I mean, it seems like we should have no problem with the rest of the, with the, rest of the things that God wants to do, right? The first four words of the Bible are, in the beginning, God created. Well, in the beginning, God, sorry. Uh, I made it five. But the, um, if you can get past the fact that God created the, everything, the universe, then I don't know how I can, why I struggle so hardly, to, so, so much to see God have power over every situation that I'm in. Like, if I truly hold on to that fact that God is who he says he is, everything else should be, it should, it, it should be obvious. Of course God is going to work in this situation. I, I know that uh, a lot of us have been struggling with um, you know, just this lockdown and this and and the, the pandemic and and just like all this just the social unrest that's been going on for for this whole entire year, and like I look at that and I'm like, where where where's God? Like, why is why isn't it just like fixed? Why isn't it it, it, it done? But I was going over this and you know, I've I've realized that God is working and using this time. It's. In the smallest of ways, I've, I've been so blessed. I've found so many online resources just like that, that never would have existed. So many churches have gone online, and I've, I've been able to, to kind of 
dig in there. And I've been able to kind of, it's, it's spurred me on to reach out to people that I haven't reached out to in a long time. It's, you know, like there, God is working in this situation. Uh, and in ways that are just aston- uh, amazing to us, astonishing. Like there's, there's, you know, I don't know how, we're, how this is going to all end. I don't know where we're going to go. But I know that God wants to bless us. And I know that God is going to work something through this. Abraham and Sarah are dead inside. Right? 100 years old, 90 years old, dead. They, inside by inside, I mean, there's no, you know, the, pipe, the plumbing doesn't work. They're, they're not going to have kids. That's just impossible. But God is going to create life where there is none because he can. And that's who he is, right? I said four words. In the beginning, God, then God created. That's what he does. He's going to express his character here and now for Sarah and Abraham. Continuing in verse 19, we see that God is is patient. He uses his power patiently because Abraham's reaction, right, First, laugh. Second, talk to myself. Third, bargain with God. Wait, 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 hold on. So in, in 19 it says, God, uh, wait, in, uh, sorry, 18 it says, And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. The, 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 the funny thing is, like, if you look at that, maybe funny, maybe sad, Abraham is now trying to, to, to bargain with God and say, look, God, I know how this is going to work. I've got this son, Ishmael. Let's use him. Let's do this. Bless Ishmael. Immediately, what does that do? It removes Sarah from the blessing, and it lessens the blessing that God has for, for Abraham. Every time we bring something like that to God, like, okay, God, I know how you're going to work. You're going to do this thing. This is how, this is, you know, I'll lay out your plan, God. And God says, no, this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm going to do something so far beyond what you can expect. And um, so we either are faced with an omnipotent God or an impotent God. You've got to pick a lane. Either God created everything, can do anything, can bless you beyond what you can imagine, and can make life out of death, or he can't. There's really no in-between. The Bible is filled with stories where God has taken the impossible situations and made something possible. Um, one, one thing that, that, that came to my mind as, as I was jotting down my notes was like the situation with Gideon. If you, if you know from the Old Testament where Gideon was trying to fight the Midianites and he went, um, he collected an army. There are 135,000 Midianites, uh, and he had a, an army of 3,000 men. And God said, no, that's too much. And he, after very, several pairings down, he was down to 300 men. And God said, this is it. This is the crew. Because at this point, you know there's no natural way that you're going to win without, that this is, this is entirely supernatural. Uh, I was thinking about the, the um, there's that joke about the, uh, the, the kid who's learning in Sunday school about the, 
Israelites crossing the Red Sea. He says, it's amazing. Did you, did you know that Moses parted the Red Sea? God parted the Red Sea and the Israelites went through. And so then the biblical scholar comes up and says, no, 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 no. It wasn't the Red Sea. It was the Reed Sea. It was about a foot deep, a foot deep. And so, and so oh. And then the kid says, you know what? It's amazing. God did this amazing miracle. He drowned the entire Egyptian army in a foot deep of water. Right? There's no way around it. It's, it's supernatural. And that's, that's our God. So as I said, God is patient. In 19, God says to Abraham, no. God said, no, but your, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. We have to be willing to accept it when God says no in a situation. As I said, you either have an pow- all-powerful God who knows the end from the beginning and can tell you no, or you don't. Either you're God or he's God. Pick one. It's much better if you let him be God, or if you let him be God in your life, I should say. So uh, God doesn't rebuke Abraham for interrupting him, which I think is kind of unique, because he kind of, he did, but he says no, and um, you know, this is my plan, and this is how it's going to play out, and just for you kind of Bible nerds out there, Isaac means he laughed, which is exactly what Abraham did when he heard the news, right? When God was saying that, he, he, he falls on his face and laughs. And, and God says, well, you're going to call your son Isaac. Mm-hmm. He laughed. I think and God does have a sense of humor. Um, so trusting God... Trusting God's power means giving him all of your anxieties and all your worries and all your fears and laying them all before this God. In, um, in verse 20, right, it says, As for Ishmael, I have heard you. God has mercy in this situation. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes, and I will make him into a great nation. 21 says, but I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. So many times when we look at our lives, we, we, we see places where we failed. Like, you know, I opened up talking about how I failed with my son, and we think those failures are disqualifying. My failures have somehow made it impossible for God to work. God, God's power has to be beyond my own mistakes because the only way I come to God in, is with who I am. And who I am is corrupt, broken, fallen. And God's power is able to work in me regardless of me. And so in this situation, right, 13 years ago, Abraham and Sarah decided to fulfill God's promise and, and God has a bigger plan. And here he's saying, look, I'm going to bless Ishmael, but I still have a plan for you, and I'm going to work that out. 
don't be discouraged by your own failures, but go to the God who can bless you. Lay them before him. Let him do with them what he will, but know that he's got a plan for you as well, and he's got the power to accomplish that. In Romans 8, 18, it says, and, uh, and, we know, uh, that those, uh, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, and for those who are called according to his purpose. In this situation with Abraham and Sarah, God's entire plan for the human race is at stake, as I was saying. But God is not phased at all by any of the things that Abraham is doing, by any of the things that Satan is doing, by any of the things that is happening, the situation. God's plan will be worked out, and he will make sure he accomplishes his plan. God's power is an expression of God's character. It blesses us beyond what we could expect. It is greater than our mistakes, and it outlasts um, our understanding. Now, the way that I express my trust in God's power is through obedience. If um, we look a little bit up, you can see 17.1. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham, Abram um, and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless that I may make, oh, that's in two, that I may make my covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. Walk blameless, it says. Obedience is how we, we show our, our trust in God and God's power. Walking blameless. Now, that that's an impossibility. It's, it frankly is. We can, we can do our best, but uh, without help, we can't be blameless. We can't walk obediently all the time. But when it talks about walking, it's talking about a life that is dedicated to being blameless, being right before God. The, uh, it says God Almighty here, and for you Amy Grant fans, that's El Shaddai, but um, it's, again, the, the, the names are important in their context in the Bible. And so the way that this name, El Shaddai, is used is always in conjunction with God's power to fulfill God's promises. So when he talks about walking blamelessly, we need God's power to fulfill that in our lives. So if you, you want to turn with me, uh, we're going to take a, a step over to Romans. It's in the New Testament now. Romans chapter 8. God's power makes it possible for us to be obedient 
and uh, through his son, through the sacrifice of his son who was obedient. So again, in, in verse 1, it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. The first step in trusting God's power is knowing his promises. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life, uh, for the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. God uses his power to bless us. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. God's power is amazing and is beyond what we can ever expect. God saw us weak, dead, and, and in, inserted himself. in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit set their, mind, their minds on the things of the spirit. God's power leads us to obedience. Trusting God's power leads us to obedience. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but are in, this, but in the spirit, if in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, Anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit of life, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through, this, through his spirit who dwells in you. So God is more powerful than any doubt or fear, any action. And God blesses us with life. And those, that's the power of God. And that's the, the power of God that we want to trust. So God, in this situation, in this day, in this year, God wants to bless us. I was thinking about uh, Corey Ten Boom, if you've uh, ever read The Hiding Place or know anything about her. She, she was in uh, the Netherlands uh, during uh, World War II, during the Holocaust. And she, was a, she and her, her family were Christians, and they housed uh, Jews to protect them from the Holocaust in their house, and they got caught. And so uh, after they got caught, they got sent to the concentration camp. Uh, and the, I was thinking of a very specific situation. The, in her book, The Hiding Place, she talks about there were lice in the barracks where they, that they were staying in. And so they were praying, you know, you know God, get rid of these lice. This is, you know, not only are we, have we lost everything, she, she doesn't know where her sister is at that point. We've, uh, you know, I'm in, I'm in these barracks and I've got 
lice now to deal with. And, you know, what God showed her was that amidst all that, with those lice, the guards stopped coming in. And so she was able to have a Bible study. They were able to praise and worship God in that situation. Ultimately, she, she, she gets out of it, through it, but God had a blessing for her even in the lice, which sounds weird, but, you know, her understanding and God's understanding aren't the same, right? Our understanding and God's understanding are not the same, but God, we know, wants to bless us, loves us, promises to work all things to the good for us. That's the God who we trust, who's able to accomplish the things that he says he will. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to come before you today, this moment right now, Lord. We want to lift up our lives to you, Lord. We want to trust in you, Lord. Lord, sometimes it seems that the only time that we, we really lean in on you is when we've got nothing else, Lord. We want to get ahead of that curve. We want to lean in you, lean into you completely. We, we know that you're all we need. So we just want to, we want to lay our lives before you. We, want, we pray for your strength and your power in our lives, Lord, not, uh, for, for the blessing and for the obedience, Lord. We want to submit ourselves to you, and we look forward to the blessing. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to be um, singing a new song today. Um, when I was introducing this song to my 